Uh, here we are. We are back for another episode of The Million Theory. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm going to be doing an MMA podcast. This is really total impulse decision to be doing this. I was at the studio because I had to get some other work done and just decided that there are some things that need to be talked about in the MMA world. So that's what we're doing today. First things first, uh, the middleweight division. Haven't really heard a lot about the middleweight division lately because Robert Whitaker has been out after his fight with Yoel Romero. Number two that he won, obviously, because it's fucking Robert Whitaker. But it was a really close fight. Both fights were really close. I do think Robert Whitaker won both of them. In the first one, he tore his ACL in the first round. And then in the second fight, I think he broke his arm. I want to say he broke his arm or rolled his ankle or got an eye poke. I don't think it was an eye poke. I think he I think he did something. He definitely did something, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Either way, close fight. Um, would have given it to Whitaker again. He is a fucking Australian madman. That dude is a tough-ass MF or whatever you want to call him. But Paulo Costa is coming up. I haven't heard anything about him literally at all since his last fight in the UFC where he fucked up Johnny Hendricks. I'm pretty sure he made him retire. He made Johnny Hendricks retire. I don't know if that's exactly what made him retire, but he retired right after that fight. So never know. Either way, he says he's not impressed with Robert Whitaker and wants Yoel Romero for his next fight, even though Yoel Romero is the number one middleweight right now. So that means he's right under Robert Whitaker and Paul Costa is not even in the top 10. I don't think he, I looked at it today and it still says Michael Bisping is number 10 and he retired what a couple weeks ago now, but apparently he's still in the ranking. So I don't know if he's number 10 now or what, but uh, yeah, he says he's not impressed with Robert Whitaker. How are you not impressed with Robert Whitaker? He has just rolled through everybody that they've thrown in front of him. But whatever. I don't care. I don't follow the middleweight division. That I mean, I do, obviously, but I don't I don't know. It's just kind of just kind of out there right now. Not much has really happened, but uh yeah, hopefully something's going to happen soon. Hopefully there's another title shot. Apparently Paul Costa is looking for that pretty soon. Moving on, I would like to talk about Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley, or should I say Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till? Tyron Woodley is the current champion, and he is set to face Darren Till at UFC 220, hmm, 228, 228 or 229, I can't remember, I apologize, should remember, but I don't. My main man, Colby Covington, Colby Chaos Covington, Won the interim title. He was supposed to fight somebody or other. There was something. I don't fucking agree with interim titles, but he got it. And apparently, he's being stripped of it already because he doesn't. He didn't want to fight on whenever they want him to fight. Sometime in October, I think, and or November. Either way, he just got off a five-round fight with RDA four months ago, whenever that was, about four months ago. And then he just got nose surgery to get some nasal issue fixed up in his face. So he just got off surgery and a five-round fight. Uh, Give the man some time to uh, recover. Give his head some time to recover. 
Uh, give him some time to recover from the surgery, but don't just strip him. Even though as much as I don't agree with interim titles, I mean, you got to give him a chance. You can't really be pulling that. So Darren Till steps in, gets this shot against Woodley. Huge, huge, huge opportunity for Darren Till. Um, not that he hasn't proved himself worthy, but just really, really huge shot for him. Interesting thing that popped up the other day. Darren Till was saying on Instagram or some interview that he did, he's like, yeah, I don't care. He's So he's got a pregnant girlfriend. She's seven months pregnant and a daughter in Brazil that he hasn't seen. And he was like, literally, he said, um, I don't care about that. Uh, the only thing that is on my mind is being the greatest and like his legacy. And he wants to be known as the greatest fighter of all time. That's all he cares about. It says he doesn't even care about money. Uh, so a lot of people are all up in arms about that, but he did clear himself a little bit and come back and write a post about it saying they know I love him and everything. They are, they know what it is. It's what he said. So um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I think he's just trying to um, promote himself a little bit, which is fine. Every fighter does that. Funny thing about this fight, Kamaru Usman will replace either of them if something happens which I think is funny that the UFC, I've never heard of them doing this before. Maybe they have in the past, but I never caught it. They actually have a set guy to replace either of them because Till is known to not make weight, I think, twice already. And and he hasn't been in the UFC very long. And then Tyron Woodley gets injured all the fucking time. He was just out for a year almost with a shoulder surgery that he had to get or some shoulder issue and he's been injured before and has had to pull out of fights and it just kind of seems like he's just dodging fights but um I don't know maybe he's not I don't know the whole story so there is that Kamara Usman will replace either of them I personally don't think there will be a problem there better not be I want to see this fight really bad my prediction for it is Till will win he's bigger than Woodley by I would say at least three inches um he's a fucking animal and he's got an amazing accent. So I don't know if he can fucking beat that combination, dude. But Tyron Woodley is huge. If you haven't, if you don't know who Tyron Woodley is, Google a picture of him right now. Google image search it right now. He is ginormous. Really, really explosive fighter. He will kind of lull you and make you think that nothing's going to happen. And then boom. All of a sudden, he will just fucking leap at you with a barrage of punches and knock your damn lights out with one hit. So you got to watch out for that so you never know. That'll be an exciting fight. I think Darren Till will take it. UFC 229 is coming up. Obviously, that's what everybody is concerned about right now. Seven weeks away, baby. Could be even Connor. You know what it is. Ticket prices are going from 200 to 2500 right now. So yeah, McGregor versus Khabib. That is obviously a fucking i don't know what you would call it but that is a great fight i cannot wait for it um honestly honestly i don't know who's gonna win this if khabib can get connor to the ground which is a likely possibility connor's not getting up connor is not getting up that's that's all there is to it if khabib can get connor's back on the canvas He's he's done. He's done. I don't think he can make it out of one round. I don't think he can survive um, the ground and pound and just the constant, constant pressure from Khabib. Khabib trains with Luke Rockhold at AKA American Kickboxing Academy and uh, Daniel Cormier and all them. And Cain Velasquez too. Shout out to him. Hope he hope to see him back in the octagon here soon. 
But Luke Rockhold says Khabib literally does not lose a round in wrestling, in the gym. He does not lose one round. And I, I mean, I fucking believe it. That dude's a fucking animal. An animal. But um, if anybody can, he's 26-0 right now. The Eagle. 26-0, baby. But uh, if anybody can knock him out, it's going to be Connor. Obviously, Connor, I believe, will be expecting some takedown attempts pretty quickly because Khabib, he can't stand up with Connor. Nobody can stand up with Connor except for Nate Diaz, apparently. And he's 175 or 170 pounder. So nobody else has even really questioned. Connor's stand-up, except Max Holloway went the distance, went three rounds. I think that was uh, Connor's second or third, maybe fourth fight in the UFC. And I mean, he Connor fucked his world up in that fight too, but um, he made it to the distance. Chad Mendez gave him a pretty tough fight, but knocked his ass out in the second round. So if anybody can do it, can knock Khabib out, it's going to be Connor. He's got some crazy spinning shit and just super unpredictable. And I have a feeling Connor's in his prime right now. He's 30 years old, I want to say. He's either 30 or 31, and that is when fighters tend to make their prime. I think it's between, like, 27 and 33 is their prime age, or 34, 35, something like that. But every time we've seen him, he's come back better than ever, better than he was before any other time we saw him. So I think that might happen again, and every single fight of Connors, I've doubted him. Every damn fight, I've doubted him, and he always just comes back and proves me wrong. So we'll see. Um, I think he's going to be looking for that knee when Khabib shoots, so Khabib's going to have to watch out for that. And then probably some mad uppercuts and um, just some just some crazy unpredictable shit. So I think I have Khabib, or I mean, I think I have Connor going into this. But like I said, if Khabib can get him down, good luck, buddy. Also for 229, this card is fucking stacked, dude. This... Of course, they have to make it. Um, it's close to the end of the year. It's not the New Year's Eve card, but it's a Conor fucking McGregor card, so you know it's going to be huge. We got, in the co-main event, we got Derek Lewis fighting Alexander Volkov. Uh, Derek Lewis is back already. He just fought Francis Ngannou, that scary motherfucker. I would never even look at that man the wrong way, much less try to fight him. In, in in any for any circumstance, I would pick anything else besides fighting that man. He's the scariest motherfucker. He's from he's from some country in Africa. I don't know which it is, and that's not a racist thing to say because I do know which country it is, but I just don't know which country it is. I don't remember the name. Uh, either way, so Derek Luce is back already. Super excited for that. He is fighting Alexander Volkov. This man is like seven feet tall, around there. Uh, but Derek Lewis is the Black Beast. And that's also not racist because that's his real nickname. And look him up on Instagram, the Black Beast UFC. I'm not being a racist. And he fucking hits you like a Mack truck. And so that he's super exciting fighter. Um, only knocks people out. His record is twenty five and five, with one no contest. Alexander Volkov is thirty and six. So we'll see. Um, I might go Volkov with this one just because he's so damn big. I don't know if and Derek. Um, he's kind of slow. He's a bigger dude. He's pretty slow. So we'll see. We got um, 
Sergio Pettis versus Husier Formega. Don't know anything about Husier Formega, but Sergio Pettis is Anthony Pettis's little brother, I'm pretty sure. Very talented man. Very talented. Good striker, good ground game, good jiu-jitsu. Um, we'll see if he can pull it out. I'm gonna put I'm gonna bet on him. Yeah. Not a whole lot to say about those two. OSP versus Dominic Reyes. Another great fight. You might remember Ovent St. Prove from his John Jones fight. Uh, great fight. Fucking war. Jones ended up snapping OSP's arm from a kick that he threw at him. He just threw a kick at him and he blocked it with his hands, which like you see all the time, and it snapped his arm. And he fought with that. So he is a fucking tough dude and still gave Jones run for his money for a while. He is a good fighter. I'm going to put my money on him. Dominic Reyes, 9-0. Also really good, but I think OSP has the experience and the skill to beat him. Women's strawweight fight, we got Michelle Waterson versus Felice Herrig. Great fight, great fight. Two very technical strikers. Um, I really don't know a whole lot about women's fighting. Uh, Even in the UFC, I just don't really follow it, and that's nothing against women fighters at all. I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's great for the sport. Um, but yeah, I really just don't follow it that much, but, uh, Michelle Waterson, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet on her. I think she's gonna pull this one off. And then, last fight, this is obviously behind Connor and Khabib. This is the one that I am most excited for. Sugar Sean O'Malley, baby. He is fighting Jose Alberto Kian something. Kianu is something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so Sugar Sean... He is claiming, people are claiming, he's not necessarily claiming, he is claiming, um, other people are also claiming, 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 that he is going to be the next UFC star, the next Conor McGregor, but Conor McGregor's back now, people are thinking he's not going to fight, but nonetheless, Sugar Sean O'Malley, super good, 145 pounder, really tall guy, I think he probably has an issue getting down to 145, because he is like 5'10", 5'11", and that's a tough weight cut. Nonetheless, he is really fucking good, too. We've only seen him in the UFC twice. He's so unpredictable, and he's so good and just technical, and I just love his attitude. He's the first fighter that Reebok made him his own shirt that um, promoted marijuana. He had, it was a tie-dye Rasta shirt with him and, like, his fucking afro wearing some, like, hippie glasses, and it had a big pot leaf in the back of it. I do think they took the pot leaf out and started selling it just the regular without the pot leaf, but... Yeah, either way, he's a really cool guy. He is from Bozeman, Montana, so that, I think, is why I also like him quite a bit because Bozeman is where Montana State University is, and a lot of good fighters come out of there. A lot of the fighting that goes on in Montana happens in Bozeman, and fighters are coming out of Bozeman, and it's about five hours from me, but, I mean, Either way, anybody coming out of Montana, is that's really cool for me, at least to experience that. I will probably, I'm sure at some point down the line, I'll train with people that he's trained with and um, maybe meet him one day. That'd be sweet. Get him on the podcast. How about that? Anybody knows Sean O'Malley, tell him to hit me up for a podcast because that would be fucking sick. So that is that for 229. I also want to talk about TJ Dillashaw for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. I... I'm going to try not to sound gay here, but I am fucking in love with this guy, TJ Dillashaw. He is such a good fighter. He is so, so, so good. His coach, Dwayne Ludwig from uh, Dwayne, uh, 
um, fucking uh, Bang Muay Thai, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, and they they work together so well. Dwayne has such a deep understanding of mixed martial arts and movement and just the way people fight and everything. And him and TJ just click. That's who he left uh, Team Alpha Male for. That's what all the drama between Cody Garbrandt, Uriah Faber, and the whole Team Alpha Male versus TJ Dillashaw. That's where all that sprouted from was him leaving Team Alpha Male to go train with Ludwig in Colorado or California, pretty sure is where they went. Either way, if you know anything about the UFC or fighting or follow it, TJ just beat Cody Garbrandt for the second time to retain his UFC Bantamweight title. That is a 135-pound title. And guess who predicted it? This guy. And fucking knocked Oh, God, dude. The, the combinations he threw, there were a couple things in that fight that were just just gorgeous just absolutely beautiful he knows he knows when uh cody comes in to throw that right hook that he likes to throw he drops his left hand so tj has this has this has this i guess it's it's also his right hand but he throws it when he's standing in a southpaw stance like his right hand would be his jab hand but he throws it up he's got his left hand covering his face and just fucking throws everything he's got into these and they're standing there exchanging and cody's just throwing his barrage of punches like he's always doing throwing those right hands in the pocket really quickly, really accurate and really quickly. I'll give Cody that. But he always drops his left hand. And TJ saw that coming. He threw one, boom, got him. Threw two, boom, got him again. And Cody's still just shuffling, throwing shit at him. And boom, hits the same punch three times in a row. It was like you had to see it to believe it. It's, it was spectacular. And he clipped him with that, dropped him. That didn't end the fight. He ended up, I'm pretty sure it was another right hook from Cody dropping his left hand, and that got it. That um, that dropped him, and TJ got the win. I do like Cody, though. He's a, He seems like an asshole, but that's really just from him and TJ going back and forth, and that's um, obviously understandable. So I really don't have anything against Cody. Phenomenal fighter. I think besides TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt beats any 135-pounder in the world besides TJ Dillashaw. But we'll see. Maybe there'll be a trilogy coming up. You never know. Another thing about TJ. So Henry Cejudo just beat Demetrius Johnson for the flyweight 125-pound belt, which is another huge deal because Demetrius Johnson has been the only flyweight champion ever. I think he was going for his 12th consecutive title defense, which, excuse me, would have been an insane record. Insane record to break. First time ever, I'm pretty sure. I don't know anybody else who's have. Who else said 12 title defenses? Um, maybe Anderson Silva. Um, yeah, I don't, I can't think of anybody. I know there's one more. Maybe, maybe GSP or BJ Penn or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that would have been amazing. Either way, Henry Cejudo pulled off the five round decision. And, you know, some people think that he did win that fight. I looked at the statistics from it afterwards and, DJ had him beaten every single one of them, I think, except for like, um, except for takedowns, I think. But Henry Cejudo is an Olympic wrestler. That's like, that's what he campaigns off of is his Olympic experience, which obviously is a huge deal and something that you can brag about, but that's all he seems to talk about. Um, either way, Cejudo pulled it off and he is wanting to go up to 135 and fight TJ for the belt. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Why do you think you deserve this? Because yeah, you just you just did you just made a huge accomplishment. Of course you did. And that's great. Enjoy it. And to add on that, I don't think he's getting 
the champion treatment that most champions get. And I feel bad for him. I saw some pictures or videos on Instagram of him walking around with his belt. And it was kind of sad. I don't know the context of those of those Instagram stories, but he was, <laughs> he was like, I don't know if he was trying to like plug the store <laughs> or something, but he's like, he was in this store and he's just like, oh, they're giving me all this shit. They're, uh, they know how to treat the champ. They know what's up. And they're giving him like, uh, fuck, I forgot what they got him or gave him, but it was like something not that big of a deal. <laughs> and then his next Instagram story is like, hold them like a bowl of candy. And he's like, oh, bro, they're hooking it up. They know how to treat the champ. All this for like two fifty. <laughs> like, didn't, didn't even say it was all this for free. <laughs> like, all this for two fifty or some, some shit like that. So, if you're the champion, you shouldn't be paying for a bowl of candy. Either way, they might have been his friends. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know the context of that. But back to what I was saying, he wants to go up to 135 and fight TJ because apparently that's the thing to do now is just go get two belts. Now that uh, Connor did it, now that DC did it, now Cejudo wants to do it. But um, even if it is the thing to do these days, you can't just do that. TJ has been talking about doing this for a long time with Demetrius Johnson. He was going to fight Demetrius Johnson. He was supposed to, but DJ, respectfully, was like, no, you have to come down, fight a fight at 125 first just to show that you can make the weight and that you can fight well and like you deserve a 125-shot chance. Because I believe TJ has only fought one other time in his career, and that was early, early in his career at 125, and he lost. I don't know if he's fought more fights than that, but that makes total sense. DJ was right to say that. That ended up not happening. TJ never came down. He ended up fighting Cody twice. Kept the belt, and but he he should get to go down now because that's what everybody's talking about. That's what he he still wants the two belts. If anybody deserves to get two belts next, it's TJ Dillashaw. He's been putting in the work. He's been calling for it. He's been active. He's been doing all this shit. And speaking of active, I'll get into that in a second. But he's been doing all this shit now. So Hudo thinks that just because he won this title, oh, immediately after that you get to go up. No, how about? You fucking defend your title a few times after Demetrius Johnson gets his gets his immediate rematch because he fucking deserve. If anybody deserves a rematch, it's Demetrius Johnson. And also on that note, Stipe should get a rematch too. But that's neither here nor there in this episode. Nonetheless, TJ should deserve to go down to 125 and get a chance to take Henry Cejudo's belt. Henry does not get to come up and try to take TJ's belt. That just That is not how it should work. Um, speaking of being active, Dominic Cruz thinks that he deserves this title shot at TJ Dillashaw, but he has been out for two years. Two years, and then he has, he has a reputation for being out. He was out with plantar fasciitis and like a torn ACL, I think, for four years. So... He has a record of not being active, and he hasn't been active for the past two years. He's been working on Fox, commentating, doing all shit, doing a great job. I'm a huge fan of of Dominic Cruz. But, you know, did I say, I don't know if it has been two years now that I think about it, because he did fight Cody, maybe that was just a year ago. Maybe, I don't know. Either way, he's been unactive except besides uh, for the Cody fight for a while, and since then, it's been a while since then, so I don't know... Um, TJ saying the same thing to him that DJ said to TJ, the D- <laughs> DJ said to TJ, um, fight a fight at 135. Let's see if you, um, are still up to par and can make the weight and aren't going to get injured. 
um, and then you can come fight me. So in the meantime, I think TJ should come down to one to one twenty five, and then um, also DJ is out with uh, he's getting like foot surgery or something. He's got a broken foot and a possible torn Achilles tendon. So he's gonna obviously be taking some time to recover from that. It took him six months, six eight months for his shoulder. Um, this is obviously going to take him a little while too. So in the meantime, TJ fights at 125 for the belt, probably gets it, comes back to 135 after Dominic Cruz um, can prove that he deserves a title shot, fight Dominic Cruz. After he beats Dominic Cruz, come back down and give DJ his title shot, his redemption shot. So, and then I don't know where to go from there. So that's that for TJ Dillashaw. I'm going to move on to Nick Newell. For those of you that don't know, Nick Newell was in the Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, um, and he is a one-armed fighter. He was born with one arm and made it to as far as he is. And, you know, the reason I'm talking about this is because Brendan Schaub talked about it, and he made some really good points, and I really, really agree with him. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase what he said. Um, But Nick Newell deserves this shot. He, he, He beat... I'm pretty sure he beat everybody that he fought in the Contender Series. And he's got one fucking arm. He's got one fucking arm. Give him a shot. This is a point Brendan Schaub made. Actually, before I get into this, instead of Nick Newell, Dana White is signing Greg Hardy. He played for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm pretty sure, and is coming over to the UFC. And history has shown that that does not always work out the best. They're not always the best fighters coming from other sports into the UFC. Nonetheless, um, he's still dealing with this shit about domestic violence. I don't know. I really have not looked into the domestic violence case at all. So I really shouldn't even be talking about this. I don't know if it even happened. Um, apparently, it's pretty, pretty, sh- people are pretty sure they did do it. I saw a picture of his girlfriend. She had a bruise on her chin, um, which looked like if it was from him, it was probably an uppercut or a knee to her chin or something. Um, I don't know if she had other injuries besides this, but all I saw was that um, picture of the small bruise on her chin, which if it was from him, that's fucked up, dude. You're going to uppercut your girlfriend? That's that's fucked. So Dana White is promoting this guy and signing him to the UFC, but not Nick Newell, the one-armed fucking fighter who's been battling his whole life to get where he's gotten. Do you know how... I can't even imagine how exponentially more difficult it would be to fight with one arm. With one arm. He's got a little nub. It goes down a little bit past his elbow. So he's got like three-fourths of an arm, I guess. I wouldn't even say three-fourths. He's got like... He's got... He's got... He's got seven... He's got eight-twelfths of an... He's got seven-twelfths of an arm, I would say. And... (laughs) Nick Newell, seven-twelfths of an arm, deserves a damn UFC title shot. Not title shot, but just to get signed to the UFC. And this is the point that Brendan Schaub made that I really, really agree with. Um, What do you think the fans want to see? Another domestic violence NFL case coming to the UFC, or do you want to see Nick Newell, the guy with one arm, see what he can do, see, give him a shot. He's obviously proved himself this far, but uh, Dana White just didn't think he was exciting enough or what. I don't know the reason for it, but he's not getting signed, and I think that's super sad. I think it's bullshit. I think Nick Newell should complain and start a fucking riot about it and... Um, maybe not start a riot, but, you know, just be pissed off about it. He deserves to be. Talk shit online. Whatever you got to do. Um, about to wrap this up, I do want to talk about Tony Ferguson because El Kakui, Tony Ferguson, 
Um, he just got cleared to fight. Hell yeah. Tony Ferguson is coming back hopefully soon. Don't know who he's going to fight. Possibly the winner of Khabib. Probably the winner of Khabib and Connor. But they were also talking about giving that fight to George St. Pierre, which would be fucking amazing. I'd honestly probably rather see that than versus Tony Ferguson. But I love Tony Ferguson. He's crazy. Um, really fucking crazy, actually. Um, but yeah, he's he's uh, back and ready to fight, apparently. But two days after he said he was cleared to fight, he posts this video online on Instagram of him doing this fucking ridiculously dangerous fucking workout and it, 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 it looked like it wasn't even helping him get anywhere like it was how he was so what he was doing those boxes that you jump on um i don't know what they're called but the boxes that you jump up on he had one where his feet are and two of them stacked on top of each other the top one was turned upside down and so he's laying out in like a plank push-up position on these things just balancing and shit and like what are you doing, dude? You just were out for however many months from a fucking huge fight because you're wearing your sunglasses inside and tripped over a damn cord and fucked your knee up. So now you're back here bouncing on shit, trying to hurt yourself. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then he's standing up on it, uh, doing like the karate kid shit where he's standing on um, like on a tree or whatever the fuck you're standing. I don't know. Just be careful, dude. I want to see you fight. I want to see you be successful. He has not had a chance to really prove how good he is, I think. I don't think he's the best lightweight out there, but he's really good. He's top three, top five at least. Um, so I want to see him fight. So um, quit wearing your sunglasses inside. Pay more attention to the ground. Quit trying to bounce on shit and uh, come kick some ass. So I think that kind of does it for this episode. Like I said, this was kind of an impulse thing. I just threw a quick, thing, a quick few things together, a quick few things together. Um, that I wanted to talk about here real quick. And um, so that will conclude it, I believe. Like I said, I'm going to be doing these probably fairly often because, you know, if I do them and then wait a week to release them, they're outdated already. So I'm going to be trying to do these and then they're probably going to be really unedited. So because I'm going to try to just do them and then just put them out as is, not edit them very much at all. And um, just get them out really quick. Boom, boom, boom. Get as many as I can because like I was saying, I really want to break into the MMA community and get some following in that. So with that being said, uh, please like, follow me on SoundCloud, share my shit, um, tell all your friends about it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I have those in my SoundCloud bio. Um, But yeah, dude, please just like share my stuff if you like it and give me feedback. So uh, thank you guys. This concludes it for the This will be the first MMA episode that I did. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Come back for the next one.